Well, good morning. I'd like to say again, I hope you had a very Merry Christmas to those of us watching online. Good morning as well. Uh, I have to give a shout out to my mother-in-law who's awake in Hawaii right now watching. So um, I'm kind of jealous she spent Christmas in Hawaii. Um, I was in Florida, so I kind of had a good beach thing too. And then I came back yesterday and it was 60 degrees, raining and cold. So um, welcome home for me. Uh, but again, I also wish you a happy new year. But as we go into a new year, I always like to research different resolutions. As we go into new years, resolutions are always something on our minds. And so what I do, what every millennial does, I get on Google and I Googled resolutions for 2020. And as I was browsing through the internet, I came across an article from goodhousekeeping.com entitled, 40 Achievable Resolutions for a Healthier Lifestyle. I wanna read you some of these resolutions that I found online. Number one, Eat vegetables regularly, okay? Any kids in the room? Your parents are right, okay? Um, apparently my parents were right and we need to eat our veggies regularly. Uh, this next one, make your home more fragrant. Now I had an issue with this one. You see, my wife Savannah over there, she is a candle fanatic. I think we burn about a candle a day in three different rooms. You walk into our living room and you have Christmas, our bedroom and you have fall, our guest bedroom that don't really use much has spring. And so I had, honestly, like I'll have to detour us around um, Bath and Body Works at the mall just to make sure we don't go buy all the candles in the store. Another one, this one really blew my mind. Listen to novels while working out. Okay, I don't know about you, but like nothing gets me more pumped and excited to listen to Charles Dickens on audio tape while I'm working out, okay? Like I, I'm like, that doesn't work. I want loud music, going crazy, lifting, that kind of stuff. I don't wanna be put to sleep. Another one. I love this one. Men, this is for us, okay? Delegate more chores, all right? So Savannah, I'm sorry. I'm just trying to live my best life in 2020. So therefore, you know, I'm just doing what the internet says. If it's on the internet, it's true, right? Another one, sanitize your phone weekly. Yeah, you're like, oh, but what? So science has proven that our cell phone screens carry 10 times more bacteria than a public toilet seat. All right, let that sink in for a minute. Every time you pick up your phone, you're essentially putting your face, I won't, I won't say that, no. Um, but you see, that's what it is. And so they're saying basically take a sanitizing wipe, wipe your phone down once a week, save your face, and all that kind of stuff. And another one was this, give yourself more compliments. So if you see me walking around the church afterwards talking to myself, that's what I'm doing. I'm giving some more compliments saying, yes, you did do a good job. Okay, well done. And the last one I'll mention is this, to volunteer. Find a place where you can use your talents and abilities and give back to someone. And we're gonna get back to that volunteer aspect later on in the message. But I don't know about you, but those were not on the top of my list of resolutions for 2020. On the top of my list was not to sanitize my phone, not to delegate more chores because I love my wife. It was not to buy more candles because we have a whole closet full, okay? That, that, my resolutions were not those. You know, for me, some of my resolutions were to continue to work on my physical health, to continue to stay healthy. Another one was to read the Bible from cover to cover once again. I love that for you too. Actually, in the lobby right now today in our um, guest services, we have a reading plan for you all. You know, at guest services, you can grab a 2020 reading plan to read through the Bible with us as a church. Another one for me is to be more organized in different areas in my life. Okay, if you walked into my office right now, it doesn't look very clean because school started. You see my wife over the summer, she's the teacher, came to my office, organized my office, got it all clean, and then week one of school happened and a bomb went off and it's still there. 
But you see, those are my kind of resolutions. So real quick, what I would love for you to do is simply just look to your neighbor and share them some goals and resolutions you have for 2020. Now, I know for some of you, your resolution, because you're that person, is to not make resolutions, which you just broke because you made one, okay? Um, surprise. But what if I were to tell you that I could give you all a resolution that'll not only change your life, but change the way you think, it'll also change the life of this church? You see, I'm sure what you told your neighbor were some good resolutions. I'm sure each and every one of those will help improve your life in some sort of way. Maybe it is to be healthier. Maybe it is to read your Bible through a year. Maybe it is to be more organized. All those are good, but I'm here to tell you that through scripture, there is a resolution that we are given that will completely change our lives and can completely make 2020 into the best year you've ever had personally and that we have ever had as a church. This morning, we're gonna look at the words of the Apostle Paul. You see, we've been in this year of disciple in our church and we're looking at different letters that the Apostle Paul have written. Looked at Galatians and Ephesians. We're currently now in Philippians. But we're going to look at another letter he wrote to the church at Rome. So we're going to be in the book of Romans this morning. So if you have a Bible, you can go ahead and turn to Romans. You have the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Then you have Acts and then Romans. It is the, uh, um, right there in the New Testament. And you see, Romans was a letter written to the church at Rome. And this letter was written to encourage the church to encourage them in the faith and to equip them to live out their faith. And this church here was diverse, different things are going on. And really right now in, in, in that current time, in Rome, you could be a believer as long as you didn't talk against the government, as long as you didn't cause any problems, as long as you didn't really weren't too out in the public. And so they're, they're facing some persecution. And so the Apostle Paul, he's writing them to encourage them and equip them to keep on in the faith, to keep pushing and to keep going. And Paul tells us in Romans chapter 12, he tells us to do something that will change our lives. Essentially, what Paul is telling the church, is telling us today, is that we need to renew our minds. That if we renew our minds, everything about our lives, everything about who we are will completely change for the better. So for the remainder of this morning, I wanna give us three reasons why Paul tells us we need to renew our minds. Number one, a renewed mind expresses itself through the worship of God. A renewed mind expresses itself through the worship of God. If you look at me with Romans chapter 12, verses one and two, I'll be here on the screen as well. You can look along on your Bible or on your phone or your tablet. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So real quick, I wanna teach you kind of a reading trick when it comes to scripture. And any time in the Bible, when you see the word therefore, you have to ask yourself, what is it therefore? And so in Romans chapter 12, verse one, really Paul is linking everything he said in chapters one through 11 
to everything he's going to say in chapters 12 through the rest of the book. The word, therefore, that one verse is really the hinge, that one word is the hinge of the entire book of Romans. It's the hinge at the door of Romans. It closes one section of the book and opens in to another section. Because you see the book of Romans, it's divided into two major parts. In chapters one through 11, Paul is telling the church at Rome really what the gospel is. And in the last five chapters, he's telling us what to do in light of the gospel. Paul is saying in verse one, with the use of that one word, therefore, Paul is saying is, therefore, in light of all that I have taught you, in light of all that you know of who God is, what God has done, who Jesus is, what God did through Jesus, therefore, this is how you should live your life. This is how your life should look. And see, at Crosspoint, one of the ways that we live out the cross-shaped life is through worship. You heard Micah say earlier, we do worship, disciple, serve, and send. So one of the ways we live out our faith, we respond to the gospel, is through our worship. However, our worship must look distinctively different than that of the world. So earlier this week, I went on Facebook, and I put a poll on Facebook. I put a question for the students over there. Facebook, it's an old social media platform, okay? But I put on Facebook, I said, what are the top three things our culture today worships? And I read all the comments, went through, and really I could narrow it down to three, two or three different things. The most common response through all the different comments was the worship of me. Not, not me, Riley, but the worship of ourselves. Trying to build up our own image, whether that's getting up the social ladder, whether that's making more money, driving the corporate ladder. But it's our self-image and our desires and our wants, our culture, if you look around everywhere you go, it's a worship of self. How can I get more out of it? How can I make myself look better? Another one which is very evident in our culture today is politics. You know, we live in a society now that we are so more loyal to a political party than we are to our church. That we are so loyal to a political party, no matter what someone says, no matter what they do, if they represent the right party, we don't care they're right. And we divide ourselves. And so you have the worship of me, of self, the worship of politics. And then really for um, our students, some of them over here, is the worship of their phones. And the phones, that encompasses all things social media. Things like Snapchat. Things like Instagram. Things like TikTok, which parents, you probably don't know what it is, but it's a big deal, okay? And we have people all over the internet, students, um, middle schoolers through high schoolers, even in college, trying so hard to portray themselves as something different online, trying so hard to get people to like them, to comment things, to go viral. And they worship that and they spend so much try time trying to do this. See, all of this points to worship of the created rather than worship of the creator. And so for us, when we renew our minds, it expresses itself through the worship of God. Our worship has to look different. In order for our worship to look different, something has to change. And Paul tells us in verses one and two that we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. See, the word transformed here means to change from within. When we renew our minds, we are changed from within. When we renew our minds, we begin to turn away from worshiping the things of the world and begin to worship the things of God. This is what we see in verse one. You see in verse one, our worship changes. It goes from superficial to sacrificial. 
Something has to change that changes when we renew our minds. And when we do that, we begin to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. When Paul tells us there to do that, present your body as a living sacrifice, he's playing off of Old Testament Jewish imagery. You see, in the Old Testament, they had to offer sacrifices. And these sacrifices were always dead because when you kill something, it's dead. And so they're, they're always dead. But for us, if you're a believer in this room, we are able to present our bodies as living sacrifices. Why? Because at some point in our life, we were all dead in our trespasses and sins. But when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, just like those four kids did today, when we, when we do that, it says that we are made new, that the old has passed away, the new has come. We are given new life. We were once dead in sin, but then alive with Christ. Therefore, we can present our bodies as living sacrifices. But see, there's an issue with living sacrifices that they always want to get up off the altar. You see, Paul is saying here, this isn't a one-time thing. This is something you have to do over and over and over again that you have to get up every single day and make the conscious choice to present your body to the Lord as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to him. But, but how can I do this? How can I, how can I properly worship God? Well, we can only do that by the mercies of God. You see, in verse one, Paul says, I appeal to you, brothers, therefore, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Paul is saying it's only through the work of Christ that we can properly worship God. If not for what Christ did, we would never be able to properly worship God. We are to give ourselves up as living sacrifices to God. Why? Because of his saving grace he showed to us. Every single day, we offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. This is what true worship is. That's what worship look like, looks like. You see there in verse one, the very end, it says, holy, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. The word spiritual there in the Greek is the Greek word logikos. And the Greek word logikos is where we get the word logical. What Paul is saying is the only logical response to what God has done, who he is, what Jesus has done for us, the only logical response, the only response that truly makes sense is to present ourselves as a living sacrifice. And if you think about that, it only makes sense that if God would do all of this, if God would send himself in the form of a baby on Christmas Day, which we just celebrated, who would grow up and live as a perfect, sinless man, who would die the death of a sinner for us sinners in our place, so that we would never have to suffer that punishment. It only makes sense to worship him and present ourselves in the same way to him. You see, when we do that, our lives no longer become about us and our personal pursuits, but all about Christ and what we can do for him. And if you think about it, there's really no one better to write this than the Apostle Paul. You see, the Apostle Paul at one point was, was named Saul, and his sole purpose in his life was to go out and persecute Christians. Paul would walk into a town, find Christians, drag them out of their homes, have them persecuted, beaten, and killed. But then one day on the road to Damascus, Paul has an encounter with the Lord. And the Lord changes his life, and through that encounter, Paul then renews his mind. You see, Paul, in response to the Lord's work in his life, he renews his mind and he devotes his life to serving the Lord. And from that point on, Paul goes on three different missionary journeys. 
And while on his journeys, Paul, what he would do is he'd walk into a town. He'd walk in and he'd share the gospel. And more often than not, when Paul walked in, opened his mouth, talked about who Jesus was, Paul would be beaten. He'd be put in change. He'd be left for dead, thrown out of town literally giving his body up for the work of the gospel. And you know what happened when Paul would get beaten and persecuted? When he's left outside of the town, he'd get up, he'd dust off his pants, and he'd walk right back into the town and preach the gospel even more confidently. Why? Because he knew his sole purpose of worship. How does he worship? He worships by giving himself up to the Lord, by presenting his body as a living sacrifice. See, Paul was a living example that with a renewed mind, our lives changed. You see, a renewed mind expresses itself through the worship of God. And through the renewing of his mind, Paul began to live out God's will for his life. For all of us, when we make resolutions, we're always trying to figure out ways we can better ourselves. We can make our life better. If you're a believer, oftentimes, I know myself, I ask myself the question constantly, God, what is your will for my life? But see, every resolution you make is not gonna improve your life unless you're in the middle of the will of God. Because I'm here to tell you this morning that the best place to be in life is in the middle of the will of God for your life. And this is why Paul tells us next is that number two, a renewed mind explores the will of God. That a renewed mind explores the will of God. Read with me again verse two. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You see, again, culture tells us to chase, chase our own good, chase our own well-being. Culture tells us, post on Facebook how you view politically to get comments and start fights on social media. The world tells us to get involved in these really trivial pursuits that aren't going to further the kingdom. And these are things, resolutions, that we think are gonna fulfill us. We think they're gonna make us feel good and, and fill us up. But see, Paul tells us to not conform. That is to not follow someone else's pattern. He's saying don't follow what everyone else is doing. And odds are if culture is pushing you one way, then God very well may likely be pushing you the exact opposite way. And so through that, we see this idea that we have to find the will of God. And God, the will of God for our life is much different than what the world tells us. And it can only be revealed when we renew our minds. When it comes to the will of God, I think so many of us, we view it as a choice. We'll pray, God, do I need to go to this school or that school? Do I need to apply for this job or that job? And see, when I, when I was thinking about that, we really, it's almost like the old TV show, The Dating Game. We're like, hey, um, contestant number one, or God's will number one for your life. Now, if I take this job, how much money will I make? What's my retirement like? Okay, uh, option number two, if I take this job, where will I live? How much fun will I have? Or for our students, you know, option number three, what college, okay, college number three, are there some really good looking girls there? Is classwork easy? How's the cafeteria? Okay, but we do that and it's like we're trying to figure out just different options, but really the will of God is not a choice we make. You see, Paul is not teaching us that. Paul is teaching us that the will of God is more of a way of thinking that leads to right choices. Why do you think it's our minds that need to be renewed? 
It's because our minds are our intellectual faculties that affect our wills. Our minds tell us to do something and we do it. My brain tells my heart to pump and it pumps. My brain tells my legs to move and they move. Our minds affect our wills. They affect who we are. You see, our minds affect all that we are. Our lives are changed as our minds are made new. The will of God is not something you do. The will of God is something you become. It is a way of thinking that you adopt that then affects the choices you make. I don't think it's an accident that Paul mentions the idea of the will of God after he explains the idea of worship. Paul says this is how you should worship and here's how you find the will of God. Why? Because 99.9% of the will of God is found through worshiping God. You want to find the will of God in your life? Simply worship God with your life and you will find it. Learn how to worship God above everything else and offer yourself as a living sacrifice to him and to others just as he did for you. Then you begin to find the will of God for your life. Now, why can I say this? Because I've been guilty of something before, which I think all of us have been. Now, when it comes to the will of God, again, you have the dating game scenario. We also have the magic eight ball scenario. You guys know what magic eight ball is, okay? You, just, you walked around. I remember walking around in Target or Walmart as a kid and I grabbed the magic eight ball, okay? And I was, I'd be like, okay, should I talk to this girl? I'd shake it, okay? And it would say, ask again. And I was like, okay, here we go. Shake it again. No. And I'd shake it again and again and again until I got the answer, yes, okay? Because clearly she needed to talk to me, all right? But you see, so many of us, we go to God and we say, what's the will? What should I do? And we shake that magic eight ball, and we get the answer asked again later, and we get infuriated. Like, God, I want the answer now, or we say, God, can I go do this? God, I want to do this. This is clear your will. And we shake the magic eight ball, and it says no, and we get infuriated. Why? Because we think we know more than God does. We think we know God's will better than he does. Why? Because we're constantly trying to further ourselves, not further the kingdom. And that's why Paul says, present your body as a living sacrifice. This is what worship is. And when you do that, when you truly worship, you begin to find the will of God for your life. Like in 2020, what would it look like for your life if it was driven by the desire to please God? If it was driven by not a desire for money or social status or to climb up the corporate ladder or to have a certain type of family, what if your year was driven by desire to please God and to worship God in every single area of your life? What would it look like for you to please God and worship God at work? What would it look like for you to please God and worship God with your family? What would it look like to please God and to worship God through your life on the internet? What if we decided now to renew our minds, to express it through worship God, and then to explore the will of God in that? What would it look like for us as a church to see everything in our lives, all that God has so graciously given us, as something that's been given to us to offer up as a living sacrifice to God and to others? What would your life look like and what would the life of this church look like if that's how we viewed what God has given us? You know what would happen? You would start to see everything you have and every opportunity put before you with the right lenses on as an opportunity to worship and please God. You see, without my glasses, I am classified as legally blind, okay? I cannot see a single face in this room, which I should probably do from the beginning. And so we're doing that 
That's how we are when we don't worship. When we're not worshiping God, our vision is blurred and we can't see properly the will of God. But when we put on the lens, when I put my glasses back on, I can see clearly when we begin to worship God, we're putting the lens of worship, his lens on, we can then clearly see the will of God for our lives. Why? Because we're not clouded by the world. We're not clouded by sin. We're simply worshiping God, laying at his feet and saying, God, my life is yours. Your will be done. You see, the will of God is more about having the right heart posture of worship and surrendering to God than it is figuring out some mystical code. God's will is not a code we figure out. God's will is something we live out, and we live it out through the way we worship. And the way we worship is to give ourselves up as a living sacrifice. This is why a renewed mind is necessary to find the will of God. And when our minds are renewed and we're worshiping God, when we're exploring the will of God, we begin to seek that out and begin to test the will of God. That is, we begin to find out um, really what it is, find out the worth by testing it. And this leads us to the third and final point this morning that Paul gives us. You see, a renewed mind expresses itself through the worship of God. A renewed mind explores the will of God. And then lastly, a renewed mind exercises the gifts of God. So we have, we worship. We find the will of God, and now we're going to exercise the gift of God. Read with me um, verses three through eight. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though, many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service and serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. You see, verses one and two there in Romans are really a summary of the Christian life. And now in verses three, the rest of the book, Paul paints a picture of what that life looks like. And verses one and two, two says, this is the Christian life. Through the mercy of God, through the saving grace of God, you present yourself as a living sacrifice. This is how you worship. And when you worship God in this way, you begin to find the will of God for your life. And then in verse three, he begins to explain through the rest of the book of here's what that looks like. He tells us how we worship the God and how we explore the will of God. And now we're going into detail on the, the gifts. And I'm not gonna describe each and every gift to you. We can do that another time. But I do wanna point out something that Paul is not saying here. You see in, in verse um, four, I'm sorry, verse three. Towards the end it says, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. When I first read that, I was like, the measure of faith. So has God given us different measures of faith? Has God given, you know, um, Mike Daniels more faith than me? Has God given Dr. Merritt more faith ability than he's given me? But see, that's not what Paul is saying here. The word for measure there in the Greek is the word metron. And that's where we get the word meter. 
And what a meter is, it stands for a standard of measurement. It was a standard measure. You see, what Paul is saying is that all of us have the same standard of faith given to us. All of us have the same faith, and that is faith in the finished work of Christ. And that faith makes us all equal in the eyes of the Lord. And when I, when I studied that and, and figured that out, I was encouraged. Why? Because now I know that you and I, if you're a believer in this room, you have the same measurement of faith that our pastor, James Merritt, does. You see, oftentimes we'll be in staff meetings and, and Dr. Merritt will walk in and talk about how he shared his faith with somebody. And how he does up here oftentimes, how he was on a, on a flight, where he's at a restaurant and he shared his faith and someone prayed to receive Christ right then and there. And oftentimes, I'm guilty of this fact, I'll shake my head almost comically, like again, like man, you're a machine, how do you do this? Almost kind of like a little envious. I'm like, man, it's, yeah, it's easy for you, you're, you're Dr. James Merritt. But then when I read that and said, no, 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 God, God told me, it's like, it convicted my heart of going, Riley, you have the same faith measure he does. The only difference is, is he's using it. You see, for you in the room, I hope this encourages and challenges you that you have the same faith measure as our pastor does. One of the big differences is he exercises it and uses it more. And for me, I know I've been convicted to do that. My wife has convicted me to do more of that. We go to restaurants now, or we're crazy, and back on Thanksgiving, we went Black Friday shopping. Why? Because I love people and I love crazy, believe it or not. And as we're getting ready to go shopping, she goes, Riley, I want to use an opportunity to share the gospel. And so what did she do? She packed a big old stack of the best news cards and put them in her purse. And we walked around Black Friday and made a whole lot of new friends talking about who Jesus was and the craziness of the shopping. As they're fighting me for that that, that $10 vest, I'm telling them, Jesus loves you, but that's mine, okay? (laughs) Tell them, this is way more valuable to you than this vest is to my mom, okay? Okay. But no, we have the same faith measure. We have the same ability to go and to do that. What Paul is saying here in these verses is that because of the faith given to us, we all have gifts to be used by God and for God. Because the the faith we have all been given to us, we all have gifts to be used by God and for God. See, one thing I love about our church is diversity. If you look around, we have people from different cultural backgrounds, different racial backgrounds, ethnic backgrounds. We have people in here from different spiritual backgrounds. We have some people like me who grew up in a Baptist background. We have some that grew up with Methodist background, Presbyterian backgrounds, Catholic backgrounds. We have someone here, praise the Lord, from Hindu and Muslim backgrounds, from Buddhist backgrounds. We even have some here from Pentecostal backgrounds. And I would ask you to raise your hand and tell you which one you were, but the Pentecostals are so tired from worshiping earlier today. But you see, we're diverse, and what Paul is telling us here is that just as this diversity of a church comes diverse gifts. You see, we look around here and we see diversity in our church. The kingdom of God is gonna be so much more diverse than this room ever is. Because the word tells us that a person from every tribe, nation, and tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so just as the kingdom of God is diverse, with diversity comes diverse gifts. We see this expressed in another letter that Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4-7, through we read this. Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. 
And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. You see here, both here and in Romans, the diversity and the unity of the church is illustrated by comparison to the human body. Some of us are hands, some of us are feet, some of us are eyes, some are mouths. What Paul is telling us is that we all need to be humble and use the gift God has given us for the good of the body of Christ. You see, we are given gifts not for ourselves, but for the good of others. Nothing you have been given is for you, is for the service of the Lord and the benefit of others. And I hope you notice both in Romans and in 1 Corinthians where these gifts came from. Paul says in Romans, the measure of faith that God has assigned. The measure of faith that who has assigned? That God has assigned. God has given you that faith. God has given you those gifts. And then in Corinthians, he says, it is the same God who empowers them. There's the same God who empowers each and every different diverse gift we have in the kingdom of God. And since the gifts we have came from God, they should only be used for God. And we use something for God, it always benefits others. You see, a renewed mind is characterized by humility and a humble person will recognize that everything they have, everything God has given them is an opportunity to use them for service for the Lord. You see, we oftentimes, again, get so wrapped up in our own self-exalting ways, our self-worth, that we forget that everything we have is a gift of God and a renewed mind attacks that mindset. A renewed mind attacks this selfish mindset our world has. A renewed mind sees what God has given to them and finds ways to use those gifts for the good of the kingdom. One of the four ways we've mentioned earlier in the service that we live the cross-shaped life is through worship. Another one of those four ways is through serving and through service. You see, there are opportunities all around this church for you to begin to exercise the gifts God has given you. Maybe you love babies. You can go to our priest, we'll talk to Jana, and you can hold babies. And I think of a family in our church, the Harrisons, Danny and Heidi Harrison. They have two boys, uh, TC and um, Josiah. TC graduated two years ago, Josiah last year. They have no kids in our ministry anymore. At 11 o'clock every Sunday, they go and they hold babies. And if you've seen Danny, if you know him, he's a big old guy. But he goes, you know what? I have a gift. I can sit there and rock in a rocking chair and hold this baby. Maybe you have a heart for kids. You love kids. Go talk to Greg and Alex in our Motion and Merge Ministries. Maybe you love middle schoolers and you're crazy. Go talk to Micah. <laughs> or maybe you love putting up with high schoolers who are apathetic sometimes. Come find me, I'll help you out. But you see, as I look around this room, I'm seeing some of the small group leaders even here this morning. Imagine right now if we didn't have people serving in our preschool and our kids' ministry. Imagine the babies running around or crying, the kids running around going crazy. You see, we have people in our church, even today with one service, who are sacrificing their time of worship to serve the kingdom of God. Why? Because I know it's gonna benefit you all in this room. Maybe in here you go, right, you know what? I really don't feel comfortable teaching a class, that kind of stuff. We have first impressions. We have people in the parking team. We have people holding doors. We have greeters. Maybe you're like, Riley, you know what? I really don't like people. 
I'm mean looking, I'm scary. Go talk to Jim and join our security team, okay? <laughs> I had permission to say that joke, so I'm just letting you know. But see, everywhere in our church, there are areas for you to get plugged in and to serve. Each and every one of you, according to the faith given to you, which is the same faith our pastor has each and every day, God has given you gifts to use according to that faith. Our gifts are all different, and that's for a purpose. Why? So we can all serve together as a global body and better reach our community, do a better job as a whole, pointing people to Jesus and inspiring them to live the cross-shaped life. You see, for us to be all we can be in this church, for this church to be all it can be, it's me using my gifts and you using yours. It's all of us getting off the sideline and getting into the game that is the work of Christ, the local body of his church. I believe that God's goal for you in 2020 is for you to become the kind of person who thinks like him, who worships him above all things and who looks at your life like a sacrifice. And this can only happen if you make it your resolution in 2020 to renew your mind daily. Why does Paul tell us to renew our mind daily? He knows that's what will change our lives. St. Augustine said this, God's goal for you is to love him and then do what you want. God's goal is for you to love him and then do what you want. You see, when we renew our minds, begin to express that through the worship of God. We begin to explore the will of God and then exercise the gifts of God and we begin to do what we want. Why? Because we're doing what God wants for us. When we are worshiping God with all that we are, when we're in the middle of God's will, we can really do what we want. Why? Because we know we'll be doing what God wants us with our life. And what does God want? He wants you to use your gifts for the furtherment and the betterment of the kingdom of God. See, when the gospel has transformed you into the kind of person who loves what God loves, you will start to instinctively do what God wants. You will naturally worship God. You will naturally explore the will of God. You will naturally exercise the gifts of God. Why? Because people who truly believe the gospel start to live lives that look like the gospel. You're going, well, how do I know if my life looks like the gospel? Ask yourself these three questions. Number one, is my life a living sacrifice? Am I offering myself each and every day to the Lord saying, Lord, my life is not mine. My life is yours. In your hands, I give it. God, do with me as you will each and every day. Number two, is God the thing I worship? Is God the thing you are giving your heart and your desire, your worth? Are you worshiping God more than anything else? Are you spending more time doing the things of God and speaking of the things of God and talking of the things of God than you are the things of the world? And then number three, am I serving the body of Christ? Am I exercising the gifts God has given me? A life that loves the gospel and lives like the gospel, the answer to these questions are all yes. Does your life going into 2020, if you look at it, can you answer yes to all three of these questions? Are you worshiping the one true God? Are you giving yourself to the Lord each and every day saying, God, your will be done with my life? And are you serving the body of Christ through the work of the local church? 
You see, we need to renew our minds daily. And when we do that, the answers to the question will become yes. We need to renew our minds in order to see the gifts God has given us that we can present them to the Lord as a living sacrifice. As we close, for some of you, before you can do any of this, before you can renew your mind, you first, you need a new life. Going into 2020, you don't need a renewed mind, but you need a new life. See, I told you earlier that Romans is broken into two parts. Chapters one through 11 that says, this is who God is, this is what God is, God has done for you. And then verses, or chapters 12 through the rest is, this is your response. Why did Paul write that to the church? Because Paul knew that all of us are presented with some bad news. You see, Paul wrote in Romans as well, in Romans 3, 23. It says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You see, we all have bad news. And that bad news is that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Oftentimes in the student area, I'll ask our students, raise your hand if you've ever stolen anything before. And some brave sands like, yep, I've stole something. And then I'll say, even that pencil you asked you could borrow and never gave back. And like, oh yeah, I, I stole that. So how many times have you ever talked back to your mom or talked behind your parents' back? How many times have you talked behind your boss's back, talked bad about your boss to an employee at work? See, all of us, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Paul says that in Romans 23, that's the bad news. But then you have the, the worst news and the worst news we see in Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. We're separated from God. And on our own, there is nothing we can do to fix that. And the penalty of that sin is death. But also in Romans, Paul writes about how God knew that there was some bad news, that we're all sinners separated from God. That God knew that news would get worse and that's on our own, there's nothing we can do about that. There is no amount of service to God you can do to erase your sins. You can try and exercise the gifts God has given you as much as you want, but that is not enough to take care of your sins. And so Paul wrote about the good news that God gave us. And the good news is that Jesus did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. That he died on a cross for your sins and for my sins. You see in Romans chapter five, verse eight, Paul wrote, but God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, not once we got our life back together, not once we got it all figured out, no. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And the best news of all is that salvation and forgiveness of sin, life and eternity with Christ is a free gift. All you have to do is accept it. See Romans 6, 23, I read the first half earlier, said for all have sinned, or sorry, for the wages of sin is death. But then Paul follows that up with, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. See, before you can renew your mind, you first have to renew your life. You have to be given a new life, a new heart. And if you're in this room this morning, and you look back on your life of 2019, 
and you're wanting to go into 2020 with your best foot forward and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, you've never acknowledged the fact that you are a sinner separated from God and the only way to get to God is through the death, the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. If that's you this morning, I urge you more than anything else, more than any resolution or choice you may make going into 2020, make the choice, make the decision this morning, right now to put your faith and trust in Jesus as the only one who can give you eternal life and pay for your sins. And for the rest of us, as we go into 2020, I pray that in 2020, all of our lives begin to show that we have renewed minds. And we begin to express the worship of God. And we begin to explore the will of God in our lives and, and live for Christ and, and do what he's put in our heart to do. And then lastly, to exercise the gifts God has given you. Evaluate your life. See how God has gifted you, how God has created you and then go and serve this local body so we can have an amazing impact on Duluth, on Atlanta, on Georgia, on North America, and the world for Jesus Christ. So we can constantly as a church be known as a church who boldly proclaims that Jesus is the only way and that we will point people to Jesus, inspire them to live the cross-shaped life, inspire them to do the things we talked about this morning. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? you're in the room this morning and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus you'd say you know what Riley I've, I've never done that yes I know I'm a sinner I've made mistakes I've done things against God and I recognize right now that it separates me from God and then the only way to take care of that the only thing that fixes that is the life, death, and burial, and resurrection of Jesus, that Jesus is the only way. If that's you right now, when you want to acknowledge Jesus Christ, Lord, if you want to go into 2020, you want to put your best foot forward, and you want to give your life to Christ for the very first time, just pray something like this in your heart. Pray, God, right now I admit that I've made mistakes. I admit that I have sinned, that I have done things against you and your word. God, right now I don't need a new mind, but Lord, I need a new life. I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross for my sins. And Lord, right now I'm putting my faith and trust in that. I'm putting my faith and trust in Jesus. Lord, come into my heart. I will follow you the best way I know how each and every day. I will worship you as a living sacrifice with my life. Now, if you just prayed that prayer and you came in, you were handed a little handout. On the bottom of that handout, there's a part called connection card. On the bottom there, there's, give us your information there. A name, cell phone, phone number, email, someone we can contact you, a valid information. And on that card, there's three boxes. The first box says, today I prayed to, receive, prayed to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. If you just prayed that prayer with me and you meant to check off that first box, 
And there's a second box. The second box there says, today I commit to be biblically baptized. Earlier today, we saw four kids be baptized, publicly proclaiming that Jesus is their Lord and the Savior. If you check off the first box, you check off the second. Why? Because the first act of obedience is to be baptized. Or maybe you've, you've been saved, but you've never been baptized. Check off that second box. And, and then third, maybe you want to decide, you know what? Going into 2020, I want to exercise the gifts God has given me as a part of this local church. And I want to join this church, become a partner or a member with this church. Check off that third box. In just a minute, I'm going to pray and Pastor Bruce Hardy is going to come up and send us out. If you would take that card when you leave, take it to a, in the lobby. There's a place called Connection Point. You can't miss it. Go out to the lobby and hand them your card. They'll know exactly what to do, and we'll follow up with you. If you're a first-time guest, we have a gift for you just for coming with us. We'd love to just connect with you, and thank you for coming with us. But again, as we go into 2020, let's renew our minds. Why? Because we'll express it through the worship of God. We'll explore the will of God, and we'll exercise the gift of God. And I believe 2020 will be the best year that you've had in your life and we've had as a church. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. Thank you so much for who you are. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for new life. Thank you for new minds. Thank you for each and every person this morning. I pray as we go into 2020, that God, we would renew our minds daily, offer ourselves up to you daily as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to you, that we would worship you with all that we are, so it can be in the middle of your will and use the gifts you've given us for the greater good and the glory of your kingdom. God, we love you. Thank you for Jesus. His name we pray. Amen.